Welcome to Gone Too Soon, the podcast where we revisit great TV shows that were canceled before their time. I'm Drew. And I'm Kyle. On part two of this episode of the podcast, we'll be taking a deep dive into each of the six episodes of Kevin Smith and David Vandell's Clerks, the animated series. This is your spoiler warning. If you haven't seen Clerks yet, go back and listen to part one of our discussion, where you'll get to hear a spoiler-free overview and an interview with series co-creator David Mandel. Then watch the series and come back to hear our thoughts on each episode. It's available on Amazon for purchase, or you could stream it on YouTube. And we're going to do this section just slightly differently than the last time with the Freaks and Geeks episode. Uh, we kind of meandered through the plot synopses each time, and it kind of dragged on. And so this time, instead of meandering through, we're going to read some synopses that came from the IMDb page for Clerks the Animated Series. Uh, so then, once that kind of reminds you of what the plot is, we'll just get into our, our opinions so, uh, Kyle, why don't you take it away with uh, episode one? All right. So episode one is called Leonardo Leonardo Returns and Dante has an important decision to make. It was aired February 20th, 2001 uh, on Comedy Central, not in the original airing on ABC. It was written by David Mandel and Kevin Smith. It was directed by Chris Bailey. It's really all about billionaire Leonardo Leonardo returns to Leonardo, New Jersey and opens the quicker stop right across the street from the quick stop, which takes away all of Dante and Randall's customers and nearly puts the quick stop out of business. The duo set out to stop Leonardo by uncovering his plot to enslave all of humanity, but are scoffed at during an appearance at Town Hall. Jay and Silent Bob, who had been selling illegal fireworks to children, inadvertently blow up the quicker stop, thwarting Leonardo's plan. So this is the the first episode of the series that was produced. And even in the the DVD release, they call it uh, the Lost Pilot episode. And, And it's really a great way to get into the world of Clerks, the animated series. And it's really, really, really unfortunate that it wasn't the first episode to air. Yeah, because it, it sets up. Dante and Randall, it sets up Leonardo Leonardo as the ultimate villain of this new Clerks the Animated Series world. Uh, and, it, and it has that, that great parody of like Bond villains and how he he thinks he has a dastardly plot and he reveals that dastardly plot to the our heroes. Yeah. Uh, so it, it was really a, a great way into this world, and it, and it's really unfortunate that it that it didn't air. Yeah, it's a it's a perfect setup that gets you into the whole idea. I thought it was I thought it was a fantastic episode. Looking at all six of them back now in comparison to the others, it's a really great episode. But it was also just it, it it gives you like a false sense of like oh man this show is is gonna be uh, like this episode because it's it's uh, fun and adventurous and it has the whole Leonardo Leonardo thing which seems like it should almost happen every episode that he should always have a plot like creating the quicker stop but something else but that doesn't really happen but it, it's it's a great introduction to what the show could have been like or should have been like more and but it's got like really great writing too like i remember just like one after another like the hits just kept coming it had really good clever humor all throughout it and it had sort of a scathing commentary on uh, corporate oppression like the idea of uh creating this super mega store that puts all of the smaller stores out of business and because of that it felt like bold and edgy and interesting and it's like if that had been the first episode that whatever five million people got to see, I bet they would have had you know better numbers on their second episode. I bet it would have held more people. One hundred percent. Like this is the introduction you needed, and we'll get into episode four when we get there. But yeah. this is the episode that you needed to introduce you to what this clerks is, and it, and it's wacky, and it, it it plays on tropes of animated series uh that there's like you were saying there was a lot of quick jokes which which is very a, a cartoon thing but then like one thing that stuck out for me specifically was uh, a visual gag where there's this sewer opens 
and you see two sets of eyeballs and it's like and you hear uh, Randall say, what are we doing here? And you you expect then Dante and Randall to come out of the sewer, but then Dante and Randall step on the sewer cover and push it down and then it's our heroes walking across the street just normally <laughs> you know like something you see in cartoons all the time is like two eyeballs in the dark yeah and they're they're just playing off of that and it's just like hit after hit like that that's like kind of making fun of the fact that this is a cartoon series and not the clerks that you're used to mm-hmm. so you know like just again like that would have helped people ease into it a little bit more yeah and then like the grand scale of it like you said it, it, it almost kind of doesn't fit with some of the other episodes yeah uh so you can maybe see why somebody at abc was like this is too grand for what the rest of the episodes are let's go with something else first maybe but that i am obviously saying is a mistake because like this is yeah this is what you needed to get into the to the world The other thing about this episode is that it contains a lot of the things, uh, the joke where they're walking up the side of the Leonardo Leonardo building and then the potted plant falls down and then the camera angle turns. He's like, why are we walking like this? And the camera angle turns and you realize they're walking on on a... I don't know how to say it exactly, but they're not really climbing the building. They're They're just walking. They're climbing the base of the L of the Leonardo building. Yeah, they're doing what Adam West and Burt Ward used to actually do when they were trying to create the illusion of walking up the building. And they're actually doing that. And the importance of that joke, though, is that it comes back like a bunch more times throughout the show, especially in the next episode, episode two. And it is something that when you when you think about how they aired this thing, it must have just been you know, totally baffling to people who saw episode two, which is the flashback episode and not gotten that joke because it happens a bunch more times. And so it's just another example of how rearranging the episodes and airing them out of order completely screwed the show in terms of it making a connection to its audiences with inside jokes and recurring humor and stuff like that. I think that dovetails very nicely into talking about episode two. Uh, This one's called The Clip Show, wherein Dante and Randall are locked in the freezer and remember some of the great moments in their lives. And I really love how all the episodes are titled. It's very, uh, these long Kevin Smith-esque titles. It first aired on June 7th of 2000 on ABC, so this was the second episode to air chronologically. And uh, in this one, Dante and Randall get locked in the freezer of the quick stop. There, they look back on their lives, primarily in clips from the same and previous episode, including foiling Leonardo's evil plans, working at a convenience store in the United Kingdom and India, how Randall got them kicked off the real world, and their first meeting as children. Jay and Silent Bob also managed to get themselves locked in. Silent Bob eventually uses a crowbar to get them all out, only for Dante and Randall to become locked in the video store. In a parody of Stand By Me, an elderly Jay narrates what became of his friends following the events of the episode. Which is a great ending to the episode. It's it's my favorite part of the whole episode is when it, you pull back and you realize that this is just all old man Jay relating it to his like grandchildren and everything. I'm glad you, you, you point that out. Uh, apparently, there was actually, at a certain time, a Old Man J animated series in development that was oh, taking really? this, this episode where Jay is a grandpa, <laughs> uh, and that would have made a, a whole thing. Wow. Uh, so, sorry we never got to see that, but maybe we will in the future. Yeah, that would have been cool, because... I thought the idea of this episode was was fun, and uh, I really enjoyed the feeling of that ending. And when I first saw this episode as a teenager, though, and we talked about this a little bit already, I had no clue what the hell was going on in this episode. Because I saw, I think, the previous episode, but this episode flashes back to other things that aren't in episode four, the first episode to air. And it's just completely confusing when you see it out of context like that. But watching the episodes in order, it makes perfect sense. Even if the joke gets a little, you know, overdone or tired throughout the episode, it at least at the, at the very least, it makes sense. You understand what you're seeing, what you're flashing back to if you've seen the first episode. Having not seen the first episode, it, it would be... It would seem like insane. It would seem like it doesn't make any sense at all. Yeah, and like I think we've really pointed out how that was 
very much a downfall of the show where that joke did not land at all. And it's, it's basically, you said, like, it, it ran on a little bit. It's basically the joke for the first maybe five minutes of the episode. Yeah. Where they flash back to that same thing, like, three times because it's the only thing that has happened to them right. on this animated series. And that's a hilarious joke, but, like, if yeah. it doesn't land, it doesn't land. You know, and, and after that five minutes of, like, the joke of only flashing back to the one episode that they have, there is uh, some of that viewers universe world building that we were we were hoping for, where uh, they flash back to Dante and Randall's first meeting, and they flash back to talk about Caitlin Bree and how she uh, made out with the painter and then, like, went to the painter's birthday party and we were at... There were like all these these different Caitlin Bree things. So we kind of get a little more uh, of that of that world building that we were hoping for. And maybe that's in contrast to the first episode uh, where it was like this grand different plot line. So you, you got a little more of the the convenience store and the the video store and like what may have happened to uh, Dante and Randall and even Jay and Bob outside of the the timeline that was like the clerk's original movie. So so that was really good to see, but the fact that it was happening inside of an homage to the television trope that is the flashback episode and the bottle episode. Yeah. Uh, I thought was was really hilarious as well. So like this was overall like a really really great episode and it's it's a good thing that it aired, but like without that first episode to give it context, it it just doesn't work. Yeah. I like we brought up about how it's an homage to this idea of people doing this on television shows. I mean, you know, the the clip show is like a famous thing. Like once the television shows reached, you know, a point where it's got enough episodes that it can flash back to a whole bunch of stuff. They do this to like save money. They'll have a whole episode where they just have a basic setup, like getting locked in a freezer and you always just flash back to these other things. And it's a bold, risky thing, I think, to do for your second episode to have such like a high concept that the idea that makes the episode be a be a huge departure from the first episode in terms of how it's laid out. And so you got to respect that. Like you're watching it and you're just like, this is like a ballsy move, you know. But aside from 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 that, you know, it was okay. It's not my favorite episode of the bunch, but it's not my least favorite of the bunch. I would say it ends up in the middle somewhere, maybe more towards the the good spectrum, though, because it is just clever. Like it's just the whole idea is clever, and you're like, well, I can't really fault it for that. But it's just unfortunate that like airing it out of order just makes the joke makes it not work that well. Absolutely, and you know, like there's. There's some other running jokes through the whole series that just don't work with them airing out of order. And one of those is there's a warning at the beginning of the show, much like Beavis and Butthead and with South Park, where it was it's like the following television show is entirely fictitious. Any similarity to the history of any person living or dead or any actual events is entirely coincidental and unintentional, except where specifically noted otherwise in the cast and crew credits. All celebrity voices are impersonated and no celebrities have endorsed any aspect of this show. And then like whenever that ends, there's usually like uh, another little punchline gag that that escalates from episode to episode. It's like, you know, I went to law school for this. I would. Are, is anybody still watching? And to have those run out of order doesn't make any sense and then one of them is you get a voiceover in the beginning that's randall saying clerks is drawn before a live studio audience and then the next episode episode three is something along the lines of clerks is filmed by a live studio audience and then episode four is like clerks is drawn by a live studio audience but then like episode five it fizzles out episode six they don't do it so you can see the seeds of how they wanted this to be clever and have like running things throughout the episodes. But it was almost like when they started a new episode, they it was like they were starting from the drawing board almost every time. And they were like reinventing the show with every episode. Yeah. And, and that kind of uh, non-focused nature may have been one of the things that led the ABC execs and not so much the audience because the audience didn't really get to weigh in. But the ABC execs may have looked at all six episodes as a whole and been like, what 
is this show? Like, I don't know what to make of it. Therefore, I just want it to go away. That's right, because episode two basically shows you what they're trying to do with the show, which is to make each episode a unique idea within the overall show and everything. But that's not really how television works. I mean, that's not what people... uh, what television studios necessarily are looking for. Cause like cheers is kind of a perfect idea of what they're looking for. Cause cheers takes place in the bar and it doesn't leave the bar. And every episode is very similar. You could line them up. You could air them out of order. You can do all kinds of things with them. Cause they're sort of identical blocks with different features, but Clark's isn't really like that. You don't know exactly what to expect when you turn on an episode of Clark's because they could have, you know, this episode could all take place inside of, you know, Silent Bob's imagination or something. You know, they could have done, they, they always like try to do some grand overall twist to the whole thing, which I think is commendable. I don't know that the ABC execs could wrap their minds around it though, or know how to market it necessarily. Yeah, it's it's very non traditional and they, they, uh, they swung for the fences on on a lot of concepts, uh, but then maybe maybe missed on a couple. Like you said, like this this was an era of uh, non bingeable TV, and somebody needed to be able to tune in to an episode of Clerks and not have to have a lot of setup. But if there were running gags, that wouldn't really play. So. It, it went for running gags and it went for reinventing itself, but it didn't really do one or the other all the way. So you, you can kind of get that sense of it being a little disconnected. Uh, and this episode has uh, kind of one of my favorite jokes because I, re- I really enjoy uh, it is going to sound kind of nerdy, but I really enjoy uh, differences between the English language, between the United States and Australia and England, and I, I like to point those out. I think they're very funny. Uh, and Clerks does a very good job in this one, where in the UK they call a cigarette a fag. And, you know, Randall and Dante do a flashback to when they were clerks at the, the quick stop in in England, and a, a customer asks, Pack a fag. You're a fag. It's a cigarette, mate. I'm not your mate, fag. And he really goes after him. And I, and I feel like there's, this is an era in television history uh, and in pop culture history where gay jokes were really easy jokes to make. When you watch television from that era, it's really kind of alarming how often like being gay was such a bad thing and you would call somebody gay and they'd be like so mad about it. So I feel like this was really tastefully done and it was well written. Uh, so I thought that was a very clever joke that you might not really expect from an animated series. Well, it's like the punchline is Randall's ignorance. It's something that Kevin Smith brings up a lot is that the stupidest character is the one that says things like that, that people might find offensive or something like that. He does that on purpose. He's, he's showing that Randall doesn't understand the difference between the languages and that makes him angry. <laughs> the joke works on so many levels where like yeah. Randall's the idiot, there's the gay joke in there, but then there's the difference. And the punchline is not... The punchline is not gay people. It's no, not yeah, an it's, anti-gay it's, people joke. Exactly. It's, an, it's showing that Randall's an idiot and that he doesn't understand and that he's terrified of, uh, you know, somebody even thinking he's gay so much that he has to, like, you know, respond that way. And Kevin likes to make that fits into the larger themes of Kevin's work. He he generally likes to uh, poke fun at people's paranoid fear of, you know, uh, you know, the homosexual. What, what is the word? The, the homo when you're like afraid of homosexuals. <laughs> That used to be like such a word in the zeitgeist. I'm like, I couldn't even remember the word anymore. Yeah, yeah. Nobody's homophobic anymore. Before he and others began poking fun at how stupid that is, people, not everyone knew how dumb that was to be homophobic. So it just goes to show like some of the value that his work has on our on our culture is that he's always been a voice to sort of help people get more accustomed to the idea of homosexuality and not view it in a negative, paranoid light, you know? Yeah, so it's really great that people were able to see this episode, but maybe not so great that they weren't able to see the next episode, episode three. That's right. 
Episode three is called Leonardo is caught in the grip of an outbreak of Randall's imagination and Patrick Swayze either does or doesn't work in the new pet store. It aired February 20th, 2001 on Comedy Central. Uh, it's basically about the quick stop is put under government control after Leonardo is said to have been infected with a deadly virus by a monkey at the new pet store next to the RST video at which they find Patrick Swayze working. Unfortunately, Jay and Silent Bob steal the monkey so they can teach it to smoke. The town of Leonardo is to be destroyed unless Dante and Randall manage to stop the helicopter pilot from dropping a bomb. After Randall tells the pilot that Dante is gay, Dante is forced to state that he is gay on live television to save the town. There is a lot to unpack in this episode. Yeah. I think we should start at the top where uh, they don't even mention in that synopsis the episode starts with another play on a TV trope, and it's the the write-in episode. Two of the actors will sit on the set, and you see a little bit of the behind-the-scenes, and they'll take write-in questions from the audience. So this is the episode in which you get a couple of letters from concerned viewers that there are no female characters. Quick side note, one of the letters is said to have been written by Jen Swalbuck from like Fort Lauderdale, Florida or something like that. And Jen Swalbuck is Kevin Smith's wife. So he was able to to work his wife in there. So you get two, I think it's two letters in a row where they introduce the idea that there's not enough female characters and like the guys just ignore them and like throw them over their shoulders. But then you get like, Hey guys, how come there are no black characters? And it's like, oh, well, this is a real problem. We'd like to introduce our new black character, Lando. And he just walks on and says hi. And uh, that becomes a running joke. So again, another running joke that doesn't play if they're not aired sequentially or even watched sequentially. But a funny joke nonetheless. Which they had Charles Barkley. You're right. They did have Charles Barkley, but... I guess he didn't count. And, you know, I feel like the Lando joke worked... For his introduction, but the other times that he came up in the show later, I didn't like notice him. Like he, they never did anything that funny with him. Well, that that that's the joke, though. Like, is like, I guess, yeah. It, it's important that we have a black character, but all he's gonna do is say, "Hey, Lando. Hey, guys." Yeah. So I think that that kind of plays to the joke. But then, like, I actually kind of feel like they ruined the joke in the next episode. Getting ahead of myself, where they actually went to Lando for advice, and he said more than just. Hey, guys. Yeah, that's when I tuned out. That's when yeah. it's not funny anymore. That's when it's not funny anymore. Like, if they had kept that running joke of, like, we have a black character, but all he does is say, hey, guys, yeah. uh, then I think that that would have played a little bit better. But, yeah. uh, you know, like, there's that the cold open, and then they play the, the theme song, but then there's just so much to un- unpack in this episode in terms of movie references, in terms of craziness you know like the obviously the whole thing is like a parody of outbreak but then like to have this pet store open and it's patrick swayze working at the pet store and it's gilbert godfrey doing the voice of patrick swayze it's just like now we're back to this like zany world building of the first episode yeah. uh, that I like, but I also like the Viewers Universe world building of the second episode, and I like it all, but it just doesn't all work together, so there, there, there's a lot going on there. Well, it sort of confirmed that the pilot was more the status quo of how the show should go, because it brings the Leonardo, Leonardo thing back in, and it also brings the idea of a plot that's affecting the whole town back into the show. So it, it has those elements from the pilot but then it also manages to fit in the randomness of episode two better. So I felt like it was a pretty good melding of the first two episodes to create episode three. Like it was an all right progression for the stories and the characters, I thought, in terms of understanding how a normal episode of Clerks should feel. But that being said, you know, it parodies Outbreak, which is a movie, like I said in the towards the beginning of the show, that like no one is going to remember. And it's such a weird choice like in episode six getting ahead of things they end up parodying the matrix and you're like that makes more sense because the matrix will be remembered you know but i don't yeah, know that and, outbreak and that was be very right. recent like you know this was yeah. 2000 and matrix was the huge hit of 1999 yeah. uh, so that was that was a more timely reference but yeah you're right like this one maybe was a little more little too random and like might not have not have drawn a lot of people in because of the obscure choice of parodying outbreak and there's 
there's just a lot a lot of subtle references there there's a Dustin Hoffman Al Pacino joke there's there's references to Tarantino this is where you get the Mayor McCheese joke that uh, that kind of went over your head right that I did, totally didn't get right at all. and like the, like Adam Sandler makes an appearance they talk about Roadhouse yeah see it's very random like that though it's 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 a little I mean, it's not as bad as episode four, but it, it's a little bit more unhinged. Whereas like the first episode, didn't you feel like you were more aligned with Randall's perspective and everything? And, and it felt a little bit more grounded than this. Yeah, this this episode feels like really out there. This this is one that you would get lost in if you're not a pop culture aficionado, if you're not a cartoon watcher. If you're not a, a, a TV and movie aficionado, there's there's just so many of those little jokes that might go over your head. And even like the obscure choice of having Patrick Swayze, maybe not or maybe working at this pet store <laughs> is is just kind of an obscure choice that that might not you know play for a lot of people. All that being said. It all played for me. I love this episode. Yeah, I thought it was a good little episode. It, it wasn't, it didn't uh, offend me or anything. Yeah, and there's kind of an interesting thing to come out of this episode is you you get Jay and Silent Bob breaking out the monkey, which yeah. also appeared in not only the soon-to-be-written-and-released right after this Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back, but mm-hmm. also appeared in the Jay and Silent Bob comic book series that was later uh, turned into the graphic novel Chasing Dogma about what happened in between the movies Chasing Amy and Dogma and what happened to Jay and Silent Bob in between there. And actually, the the third book in that series is basically the exact same thing that is written into the Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back movie. And I have since learned that that third book is not considered canon in the viewers universe because it contradicts a couple of things that happen in uh, the Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back movie. But you also get that plot line here with Jay and Silent Bob and the monkey and breaking out the monkey. Uh, So I thought it was very interesting that right in this like three, four year period, Kevin Smith recycled that same storyline three times. Well, I think you're forgetting one, too. Am I? Because it was, well, it was teased at the end of Mallrats when they said, well, that's a that's another story when they walk exactly. away, monkey. It, 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 exactly, that's where it started, and it's like, I think. yeah, it, that you're right, and that's where it started. And it's like it's almost like he he wanted to finish that joke, yeah. And not enough people saw it in the Jane Silent Bob comic book, so he put it into uh, Clerks the Animated Series, and then nobody saw it in Clerks the Animated Series, so he put it into Jane Silent Bob Strike Back, and so so it's interesting to have this view a universe where there's continuity between all these these different movies and different forms of medium but then yeah. when one is not successful then you get kind of these repeated things and well i didn't i didn't think it was a bad part of the episode it's not a huge part of the episode like there's a cutaway joke where they're teaching the monkey to smoke and you're like okay i mean it was it was all right i didn't hate it but you know, I it's it's like a lot of things in here where I'm like they're scratching the surface of something, but you could go further with that. Like you could have done a whole episode about Jane Silent Bob with the monkey, and it seems like they're just scratching the surface of stuff like that and trying to keep the focus more on the eclectic references and sort of craziness of the show. Which is definitely important for a good cartoon to have like a, a great like uh, chaotic sort of spirit of fun to it and everything. But if you're not careful, it could make everything feel too chaotic to, to really follow. And this this episode was not a bad episode, but it seemed like when we got to the end with the helicopter thing and they had to stop the helicopter from dropping the bomb on the town and everything. And he had to tell everyone that he was gay in order to save the town, which I thought was funny. Uh, but it was, I don't, I don't remember how we got there. It was like, Oh, it was like there was the beginning of the episode, then a whole bunch of stuff happened in the middle. And then all of a sudden we end up at that climax at the end, which is funny. The idea that Dante has to do what he has to do in order to win in the end. But it did seem to come out of nowhere. It was like, it was a little hectic, but I, I liked how they set up the burrito thing and Randall gives Leonardo Leonardo a bunch of burritos and he eats them and stuff. And that's actually what's causing the outbreak. What they think is a virus from the monkey was actually just 
Leonardo eating this old crappy burrito that uh, Randall sold him. Yeah. I thought those things came together okay. And this episode was certainly more put together than episode four, which I think is just a complete disaster. Yeah. Episode four is called A Dissertation on the American Justice System by People Who Have Never Been Inside a Courtroom, Let Alone Know Anything About the Law but have seen too many legal thrillers. <laughs> it uh, was the first episode of the series to ever see the light of day, and it aired on May 31st of 2000. In this episode, Randall is left in charge of the Quick Stop as part of a bet between him and Dante. Jay sues the Quick Stop for $10 million after slipping on Randall's spilled soda. Randall is Dante's lawyer for the case, while Judge Reinhold presides, and several NBA All-Stars are members of the jury. Randall ends up doing more harm than good, putting Dante at the mercy of the courtroom. Before the verdict of the case can be announced, a disclaimer informs the audience that the script for the conclusion of the episode was lost, and the remainder of the episode will be told through Korean animation. Which just goes to show you there, you know, the sort of randomness of this one. You know, when you read that that synopsis, I think about those elements, and I'm, there's a lot of the ideas in this episode that I thought were funny ideas. The ideas of them having to go to court, for instance, just in general, is a funny idea on the outset. But it doesn't really materialize in the actual episode in all that memorable of a way, except for the Judge Reinhold character, which I thought they handled really well. But uh, that's the only thing I can remember, really. Like, And I mean, like, immediately after watching the episode. I, I tried to think back on it when I was writing my notes and everything. And all I could think was, I have no idea. I can barely follow this story. I remember basically nothing about what I saw. <laughs> and uh, overall, I just I just remembered it was the Judge Reinhold one. That's it. It's the only thing I got out of it, basically. Yeah, and I, and I think you, you hit on a lot of good points there in that when you first get into the episode, it's like, okay, I like this. This is funny. Like Jay slipping on some soda. And then like, it was actually Randall that was like, we're not giving you jack squat. If you don't give me smokes, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, gonna what? Sue us for falling down in the store? Maybe. Oh yeah? How much you gonna sue us for? $10 million? Maybe. Don't give him any ideas. No, he should sue us. Come on. Do we have any high-powered lawyers in this joint? And then like a high-powered lawyer comes in and he's like, I'm not going to take this case. And then like Randall tracks him down and is like, come on, take the case, take the case. And he's like basically arguing against the quick stop. Yeah. So like that's a good setup and you're like, oh yeah, this is funny. Like I, I this is a funny joke and then like it just kind of fizzles out and like you like you said, like them going into a courtroom and parodying those kinds of TV shows, very funny concept. Uh, so all these good little setups, but then like it just falls apart. And I think that that is really exemplified by the fact that they don't really have an ending for the episode. And so like it's devolving and it's devolving and it's devolving. And then they're just like, you know what? There's no ending to this episode. Let's just do this little Korean animation bit and we're out. Right. So, you know, there, there was that. And also, I feel like this is the episode that had the lowest form of comedy uh, where there were a lot of sexist jokes, a lot of racist jokes, a lot of homophobic jokes. Mm. So all those like low hanging fruit episodes. Yeah. Uh, and I'll find a few examples and I'll put them in here. Welcome to Madison Square Garden for this year's NBA All-Star Game. Strangely, we've just been informed that all of the starting All-Stars have failed to show up, and they'll be replaced by players from the WNBA. And here they come. <laughs> we now return you to Will and Grace. And here. Ladies and gentlemen of the jury, Dante Hicks is just like you. He loves grape soda. Hmm? He knows what it's like when the guy in the supermarket won't take your food stamps. <laughs> or how it feels to wait all month for your welfare check. <laughs> hey, ho, hey, ho. Thank you. And to kind of top it all off in terms of this being the first episode to air, I would say it's not a terrible episode of television, but it's definitely the least good episode, I think is the best way to put it. Why do you think they put it first? Do you think it was because of the low-hanging fruit? Do you think that they thought that would make it a hit 
first episode? I actually think it's the opposite. Like, I literally think that somebody at ABC wanted this to die, mm-hmm. and they looked at all six episodes, and they're like, if we air this one first, everybody's going to be confused and hate this, and it doesn't even have an ending, and it'll confuse everybody. It seems so odd, though. Like, who would want it to die? Don't they, don't they make money if it succeeds? Why would they want it to die? Why would they even commission it in the first place? That, that's the thing. Is like they commissioned it. They were committed to it. They they ordered six episodes. They signed contracts. So like they had to pay Kevin Smith and his team to create these episodes. These six episodes were created. But I don't feel like the the network had a stomach for it. They didn't like it, and they they didn't want there to be a chance that people would really like this show. And so they just they put this. Terrible episode first, they put the confusing episode second, then they could point to the low numbers to their advertisers and say, like, see, there's no good, let's just pull the plug. Right. Such a, like, a dirty thing. Yeah, and network executives are weird, weird people, (laughs) but if it wasn't for them, we wouldn't be making this podcast, so... Somebody has to make those bad decisions. Yeah, it's true. Uh, And one more quick weird point with uh this being the first episode to air this is the episode in which lando actually talks and gives advice oh yeah that's right so like without the setup of lando being introduced in the previous episode as the iconic black as, guy as the the token black guy right like cutting to this scene where lando is oddly being attacked by guard dogs at, uh, at the junkyard and being like, hey, let's go ask our one black friend for advice. And it's like, so that joke could kind of play as uh, as its own thing. But like that just makes it seem even more racist if you didn't set up that joke in the previous episode. Right. So, again, this is like another point of them airing out of order and also of this show not being able to be enjoyed, not in one sitting. And I think that that's pretty much all there is to say about this episode. Like, there, there's not a lot of different points we can make, so we might as well move on. And we'll move right on to episode five, which is Dante and Randall and Jay and Silent Bob and a bunch of new characters and Lando take part in a whole bunch of movie parodies. It aired February 20th, 2001 on Comedy Central. And the basic gist of what happens is Dante and Randall attend their high school reunion, where Randall discovers that he has the ability to turn women into lesbians, and Dante is accosted by his old baseball team because they don't remember him, although Dante was the coach that won them the championship game. Leonardo decides to let Dante manage his little league team. The team is on a losing streak until the inclusion of Jay and Silent Bob, as Jay is still in the fourth grade for being held back so many times and is technically eligible to play. Meanwhile, Randall is put into slave labor after beating the high score on an old video game. Dante and the baseball team discover Randall while searching for the baseball team they have been scheduled to play, which turns out to be some children enslaved to work in the mines. I think that that synopsis, probably written by somebody on Wikipedia, really just kind of goes to show you how weird and wacky this episode is, and like, it's all over the place. So it's another one where when you finish watching the episode, you're like, what did I just watch? But you can look back and find all these movie parodies and references that kind of make you you smile a little bit. So I, I like it for that, that aspect, like all these movie references. But I can see mm-hmm. how it's, you know, it's, it's not the most coherent episode and it's not probably for that fact the most enjoyable episode. You get The Last Starfighter where they... They select the guy who can beat the video game to do this this government secret job. You get Bad News Bears. You get Temple of Doom. Uh, I feel like there's maybe even a little bit of War Games in there. And mm-hmm. I, I've probably missed, like, so many more because, uh, like, the title of the episode is a bunch of movie parodies. So, like, you could spend a long time as a movie nerd going back through this and trying to catch all of the movie references. Yeah, I loved this episode, and and Charles Barkley has a great line at the end. Uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi's Force Ghost does something to him, and Barkley responds, That's cold, Obi-Wan. 
and then he just walks away. I was like, that's good. Yeah. And so like there there you go. There's a the Star Wars reference in there too. Yeah, I thought that was all well done and uh very random. It was a fun episode. You know, it it was sort of more random thing, but like whereas episode four was random in a way where it seemed belligerent almost. This one's random in, in the way I think the show is trying to be random, where, well, it's a mixture. You got the concept thing, where this episode is going to be the movie parody episode. So you have that working. But you also have this thing where Dante and Randall both go on separate uh, storylines that end up converging at the end. And there was a little bit of that Seinfelding the Seinfeld type of storytelling uh, going on there, which I thought maybe is where this show could have gone in the future. Like if every episode had something like that, where there were these multiple storylines that all interwove at the end, uh, that could have been good. It's just an example of how each one of these episodes should have followed some kind of similar format or whatever, but I mean, not should have. I mean, that's technically what you would do, but it's trying to make a bold decision to go a different direction and have each one be vastly conceptually different, I guess. But here, I thought it worked better than it did in some of the other episodes. I thought this one at least had some cartoon imagery that was fun when Randall was imprisoned in the uh, Indiana Jones Temple of Doom type thing, and you got to see some different visuals uh, that was cool. And I also thought that this joke about how uh, Randall turns women into lesbians was hilarious. <laughs> I thought that was a great joke and it handled well. You really like all the gay like jokes, how, don't you? Well, it's just that he's so proud and he he's it's so lost on him that he's turning women into what lesbians because he's such a disgusting creature that they can never find men attractive ever again after encountering him. And he's almost proud of this. Yeah. He, he views it as a superpower. It's and the it just reverse speaks, chasing Amy. Yeah, yeah. It speaks to it speaks to the delightful sort of like stupidity of that character and, and the idea that Randall's always Randall's kind of just wrong about everything, even though he thinks he's right about everything. It's what makes the character interesting. Yeah, I, th- I think it's interesting that there there are basically two episodes that are just like big parodies of movies. Uh, and that's that's that third episode and then this fifth episode. And episode six has a little. Episode six has a little bit of that. But like I, I feel like I it sounds like I enjoyed episode three more so than episode five. And you enjoyed episode five more so than episode three. So I just find that kind of interesting. Yeah, I would say that's that's a uh, that's true. Yeah, I feel I feel like where episode three was a little more focused and had one overall movie that it was parodying, and then yeah. had like little movie references throughout. This one, you were just kind of moving from movie parody to movie parody, and it was kind of hard to keep up. So where I enjoyed each individual movie parody uh, as itself. Uh, I didn't actually enjoy so much how they were woven together or maybe the lack of being woven together. Hmm. It's one of these things where at this point in the show, it's kind of like, who knows? Because there's no sort of status quo bar that that every episode has to hit. So it's kind of like it's kind of like who knows at this point whether or not this was a good episode or not because there's nothing to compare it to as far as how an episode should go versus how one of these sort of more random conceptually based episodes go because they're all kind of randomly conceptually based. And you you bring up a good point there in that there's only six of them so it's hard to compare each episode to other episodes. Right, right. So like it may be even if even if there were 12 episodes then you could uh, you could kind of start to create your your own mental rubric of like what makes a good clerks episode versus a a poor clerks episode but since there's only six of them it's even hard to rank them like is this in the top two the middle two or the bottom two like there's not much range there yeah for sure all i can say is that i feel like the stuff with randall puts it a little higher on the list maybe because i just thought that that was funny randall Getting shipped off to be a prisoner in, in the Temple of Doom is a funny idea to me. Yeah, and that's where, like, I I, I think I, I kind of said before, like, I enjoyed each 
individual parody, but just just the weaving yeah. together didn't really didn't really do it so much for me. No, it's not believable, really. Like the whole the whole thing where Dante's baseball team just happens to be going to the same place that Randall is imprisoned. You're like, that's it's not. I guess the show never makes an attempt to be believable, but then there are certain things that within the logic of the show itself should at least have some believability. But this show sometimes doesn't even care about stuff like that. Yeah. And and the fact that like the, he's going to the town where the little league world series happens, but everybody is gone. You know, the little league world series, it's a bunch of teams, but like they get there and it's deserted. So like, the one team that they were going to play was from this town and they are enslaved in the camp. But like Randall only got there because he won this video game contest. Right. And then like they free the slaves, but it's like, oh, now we got to play baseball because apparently the slaves were the baseball team, but they never really established that before. Uh, and then they right. end up forcing them to play this game where they all get bowled over by the wind because they're so thin and malnourished and i feel like that joke was very much in poor taste like it kind of just made me sad so i I think that that's what i've been trying to articulate and i think just kind of going over each individual one and how they got there really just kind of made it click in my brain that like that's the weird weaving together where like the show is very random and takes like weird left turns and right turns but they all kind of make sense usually but like this one just takes weird left turns and right turns that just don't make sense and you're left going, huh? Do you think they're maybe starting to feel the burn of the audience reception by this point? Like by the time they were working on episode five, did they know what the reaction to episode four and two was? They did not. Uh, all six episodes were created and finished well before they ever aired. I believe they were finished in the end of 1999, uh, and they they sat there uh, until May and June of 2000. But at the beginning of episode six, they mentioned that uh, people don't like the show. And I think that's just like kind of a funny joke. I think they all kind of took a step back and kind of realized how off the rails they went, maybe even with the previous episode. Hmm. Uh, and even the all three previous episodes leading up to this, you know, episode two had those elements of like being a little bit more like the movie uh, and introducing backstories of Randall and Jay and Silent Bob and and Dante. Uh, But then like the, the subsequent three episodes just like went all kinds of crazy. So I think they just kind of recognized in themselves that uh, they needed to get back to the way that the that the movie was. And I think that dovetails very nicely into episode six, which is entitled The Last Episode Ever. So that might give you the impression that they already knew that they were canceled at this point. Uh, right. And that that kind of probably plays into what you were feeling that like they knew what the audience reaction was and they knew that they were being canceled. But I think it right. was really just a sense that Kevin Smith got uh, that ABC wasn't going to be picking up more than these six episodes. Uh, so they just entitled okay. it the last episode ever and made this joke. So this one didn't air until February 20th of 2001, along with the other four unaired episodes. And in this one, Dante and Randall work inside the quick stop discussing various things after being told that they need to make the show more similar to the original Clerks movie. Meanwhile, outside, Dante is supposed to have a date with Caitlin Bree. Jay and Silent Bob go to a fair where havoc ensues. Walt and Steve Dave need stuff. Leonardo Leonardo finds a soccer team on his roof, and Dante keeps getting called by a guy who wants to show him the truth about the Matrix. Eventually, due to a phone call unknowingly made by the president, the army surrounds the quick stop. The president is attacked by hookers and vampires who are enraged to find RST closed, and Dante and Randall finally go outside, where the animators put them in various awkward situations until it is revealed that Jay is the one behind it all. You know, I I enjoyed the final episode, and I really enjoyed the Matrix parody stuff, and it sort of pays off at the end of the episode in a in a cool way where they sort of walk out into this whiteness and they're sort of communicating with the animators and stuff. Why don't you draw somewhere cool, you know, doing some, wearing cool costumes or something? And then at the end, it's 
like you said, it's revealed that Jay is sort of drawing uh, drawing the cartoon, which harkens back to the end of uh, episode two with old man Jay and that idea. And it's funny. Yeah, I really I, I like the gag at the end. Uh, it, it's actually like a, pr- a pretty direct reference to old Looney Tunes cartoons uh they they that was something that they did quite often where like the characters would talk directly to the animators in fact uh randall is turned into this uh this weird creature that is actually the exact creature that uh daffy duck was turned into in one of those gags Hmm. uh like the he pisses off that daffy duck pisses off the animators so they turn him into this this weird creature uh and i don't know why i remember that but like i I just (laughs) I, i think i watched a lot of looney tunes cartoons when i was a kid because huh. I, I lived overseas and we didn't get American cable. So right. we, we were always getting videos of uh, old cartoons, uh, American cartoons to watch. Uh, so I remember that specific Daffy Duck bit. So like I, I, re- I, I really respect and enjoy the bit at the end. Uh, mm-hmm. But I also feel like in conjunction with the ending of episode four, where they didn't have an ending... Uh, and they just did an, an animation bit. It seems to just be kind of a running theme where they like don't really know how to end episodes. Maybe that's like Kevin Smith is used to writing movies and long form stuff. And he had to like condense all of his ideas into 22 minutes. And, you know, he's a he's a long winded guy in general. Like if you get him going on one topic, he'll just go and go and go. So I think maybe his ideas were just too big for 22 minutes. So he never really knew how to end an episode. So like, I I I liked the gag, but the fact that it had been done just two episodes prior just kind of made me feel like, oh, they, the these episodes don't really know how to resolve themselves. So they're just gonna do a gag each time. It's a good point because the first episode has this too, where they get to an end and they're like, oh, what are we gonna do? about the quicker stop and then it just explodes and Jay and Silent Bob walk out. And I felt there is where it worked the best because it felt like it was part of the plot and it didn't feel like a cheap thing or something. It just seemed like Jay and Silent Bob are those characters to sort of pull you out of the jam at the end. But then you're right. Like the more it goes on, the more you see that pretty much with every episode, they don't have a way to end it. And it's sort of a crapshoot as to whether or not you're going to think their ending bit is interesting. Like, I like when Jay is drawing at at the end of episode six. I like that bit. Like I said, it reminds me of the the episode two one. And then, and then the Korean animation bit, I didn't like at all. And I agree. I don't feel like that really played very well. Yeah, that one really did feel like a lazy uh, ending, whereas some of these feel like they're half clever, but that one feels like, yeah, they totally didn't give a shit. And I think maybe it's in the way that they hatch the episodes, whatever their process for coming up with the episode in the beginning was, I don't think it included coming up with an ending. And so they would get into the script writing phase and they would get through all of their stuff and then we get all the way to the end and they go, shit, what do we do at the end? Cause they don't, it's not part of, it wasn't part of their conception process. And so now they have to come up with some gag that fills in for the end. And like I said, it's a, it's a, it's a crapshoot as to whether or not it turns out to be a good joke or at all. But it definitely doesn't – it never – there's never an ending that sort of reveals what the whole episode was about or anything like that. It's always just sort of a random thing. Yeah, and and maybe that's one of the, the overall downfalls of this show is that it's just kind of a series of gags that goes from – Maybe that was my issue with the episode five right before this, where it's it's just a series of movie parodies and movie parodies and movie parodies, but that just don't necessarily weave together. And while I yeah. enjoy individual gags uh, and some more than others, like well, the dialogue is yeah, usually the, really the good. The dialogue is always really good, but like you know, like I, I you 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 kind of want a story to weave through the whole episode and have some sort of like resolution at the end but then when it doesn't you'll get left kind of unsatisfied so you can you can almost see where like some people might not enjoy this show for that reason yeah it 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 does a lot of things right it's not a complete like train wreck because you look at the show you know the design always stays good 
And the spirit behind the show always stays good. The spirit of the show is to be adventurous and creative and artistic and bold and interesting and all these things that on paper we would all agree are a good things for something to aspire to be. But in the execution of it, I think there is a, a lack of control on the part of the creators to be able to actually make episodes that that work. I mean, every episode is there are good things about it. And yet it doesn't quite work in, in the overall scheme of the show in, in a way. It's hard to explain because like I like this show, but I also see how it doesn't fully gestate. It doesn't fully, uh, you know, create itself entirely. And we were talking about the show's identity and its its confusion with its own identity of whether or not it's uh, a comedy for adults or a cartoon for kids or a referencing thing about movies or a character journey with Dante and Randall. It's kind of all of them and none of them. It hits all those marks and then, you know, doesn't really know. And then this this six episodes, like they're in the Matrix all of a sudden, which is cool and funny and random and more what I wanted the show to be like. I like the idea that Dante and Randall like step out of reality and they're in the Matrix world. And you're like, that's cool. That's that's an interesting thing to do with their characters. Uh, it's at least different. It's it's what we were talking about with the paradox where you're like, I want them to stay in the quick stop, but I also want them to go do incredible things because it's a cartoon. And because you want both things at the same time and they're completely different from each other, the show doesn't know how to satisfy the person watching it. It almost feels a little bit like we're crapping on the show more than I think we really intend to. No, I don't intend to crap on it. Yeah. Like I think both of us really, really enjoy the show. Uh, yeah. And we we can take it for what it's worth and we enjoy its its good elements. And like, I think even it's it's less good elements. I would never call bad elements. Uh, it's just not as good as the great stuff. So like overall, this is just a really, really enjoyable six episodes of television. And you can you can definitely see where it has its weaknesses and where some people might not like it. But I think you will not be wasting your time if you just sit down for less than three hours Uh, and it is well worth your time. It's a really enjoyable television series and could be a really shining example of what cartoons could be and should be in this day and age. And maybe it would have worked better on a smaller network. Uh, you know, Cartoon Network probably at, at the time uh, was not the place for this because Cartoon Network was so much more for kids. It would have worked well in Adult Swim. It would have worked so well in Adult Swim. And I don't think that uh, Adult Swim really became a thing until after uh, Clerks, the animated series. But it could have yeah. even worked on MTV or something like that. But uh, I sure. think just because... By the virtue of it being owned by Miramax and Miramax being owned by Disney... And ABC being the logical home in that sense, it was just a really illogical place for it to end up landing. And I think that's what ultimately hurt it and killed it. And there you go. Yeah. Overall, I think the show succeeded in adapting uh, an aspect of the Clarks movie, which was the iconic character setup of Randall and Dante and then having Jay and Silent Bob there, and then even having like some of the other characters like Steve Dave there. And uh, they didn't get into that as much, but they had those characters designed. And uh, I liked those designs. I liked all the designs. I really liked the look of the show. I think that was a huge positive, a huge win, and probably helped that guy get his next job, I imagine, because he did a good job on it. And I feel like that design gave the world a uniqueness and charm, but also the way it was written had a uniqueness and charm. If, If you get Kevin Smith and you like his films and maybe even get him as like an internet persona and everything or personality, uh... I think you would really enjoy this show. Like having that inside knowledge of who he is and how he works and where his humor comes from helps you get around some of the aspects of the show that don't necessarily work and help you root for it in spite of its flaws. Because you know you know who Kevin Smith is, you know what he does, and you know what, what he's trying to do with this show. But you also sense resistance. You sense that the people writing the show maybe don't have all the freedom that they wish they had. That's speculation. I don't really know what happened behind the scenes, but 
I I get the sneaking suspicion of people being sort of frustrated, uh, not quite being able to do the show they wanted to do. But maybe it wasn't that. Maybe they just really didn't know how to make the show a hit. They made, they knew how to make it good, but they maybe didn't know how to make it a giant hit with people all over, you know. But uh, it was by no means perfect, but it was by no means flawed beyond saving either. I don't think it should have been canceled. I think it should have been able to uh, go on for do another six episodes, try and make it better, and then we'll see where it is. But you don't cancel a show after six episodes unless you hate it and don't want it to succeed because uh, any television show Seinfeld doesn't even really get good until the fourth season Star Trek the next generation doesn't really get good until the third season any show has a rocky sort of starting point and you need to let it grow and they just didn't have any patience for this particular show for some reason well I think that's a great place to wrap things up thanks to everyone out there for listening be sure to follow us on Twitter at GoneTooSoonPod, and don't forget to visit our website, GoneTooSoonPod.com. And if you have any suggestions for a future episode, please feel free to drop us a line at GoneTooSoonPod at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. Join us next week when we'll be taking a look at everyone's favorite canceled sci-fi series, Firefly, with special interview guest, former executive vice president of strategic program planning at Fox, Preston Beckman a.k.a. The Masked Scheduler. Until next time, I'm Kyle. And I'm Drew. As always, they can cancel the shows, but they can't cancel the fans.